Welcome to another episode of Paleo Runner Podcast, a show helping you find better ways to live, run, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. The website for the show is paleorunner.org. Follow me on facebook.com slash runpaleo or on Twitter at runpaleo. The sponsor for the show is 3Fuel. 3Fuel is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates. It's made from coconut, grass-fed whey protein, and a slow-releasing starch. To get 10% off your order, go to 3Fuel.com and use the promo code 3FOLSON. My guest today is Dr. Nicholas Romanov, creator of the Pose Method of Running and author of The Running Revolution. Dr. Romanov, it's great to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me in your show. It's my pleasure. Yeah, Dr. Romanov, it's great to have you and great to talk with you. Um, One of the first questions that I always like to ask my guests is, what have you had to eat so far today? (laughs) I'd say... Uh, fresh vegetables in the morning um, and uh, coffee. <laughs> okay, that sounds pretty healthy. Is that a typical uh, uh, breakfast for you? It's correct. Okay. It's uh, green um, and um, then carrot uh, bits, it's, uh, all these simple things. Okay, okay. Um, well, tell, tell me a little bit about your background. You wrote, the, you wrote this book... Um, the running revolution, but how did you get interested in sports in the first place? I've heard that you have a background in high jumping. It's correct. I was an um, elite high jumper, seven feet, my best uh, in my prime time in 70s and 80s. Um, so it's a track and field, basically. Um, and then um, after, uh, I, I continued my career even when I was already a university teacher still, uh, when I found the post method, it's extend my career for probably ten more years. It, it was so helpful. Hmm. So, right. so was post method something you created for yourself or for athletes you were coaching? Uh, it was a um, necessity to teach my students. I was university teacher on uh, uh, physical culture and sport faculty, and. Um, and uh, I was a track and field teacher in the sport biomechanics. Uh, and uh, difficulty of teaching uh, was uh, related with the absence of sound method. And uh, more interesting, even for running, for example, it didn't exist even model of uh, teaching by that time. So it, it was quite strong and um, very heavy necessity to develop something useful to teach quicker and more efficient. Okay, okay. So do you, are you a runner yourself? Um, not at all. I was high jumper, always okay. <laughs> high jumper. Okay. But I do run. And when I do run, I run post method. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> it's <course>. a famous <laughs> advertising, you remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about, I mean, what exactly is Pose Method? Why is it better than, than just going out and running how, how your body tells you how to run? Um, it's a, I, will, I will start from the last part of your question, you know. Uh, something like you told, like, your body knows how to run, right? Mm-hmm. It's a typical uh, misconception. And uh, not only that, it's misleading conception. If it would be true, um, we would be having millions and millions of people around the world running happily, no injuries, and victorious runners around the world. But it's not the fact. Um, the fact is we're having absolutely opposite picture. We have a, a tremendous amount of um, injured runners, Statistics is very sad and simple. 85% of runners registered, officially registered, injured every single year. Adi actually doesn't know how to run. And the second one to adding to this, I was, before I started these things, I did interviews, something like you done, but in person, obviously, in the 70s, it's impossible, was to do podcast. And ask very high-level coaches, high-level runners, and uh, 
specialist in track and field what running is, uh, how to teach it, and what technique is. And the answer was like really, really bad, you know. <laughs> I was disappointed by all answers. Basically, I understood that people have no idea what uh, um, uh, running is, neither uh, as a model, means technique, how it's working, and then how to teach it. This is what uh, answer on <laughs> your question, you know. Um, I'm going through the clinics a lot and thousands and thousands of people. And first question I'm asking my students in the first approach, uh, I'm asking them, uh, could you tell me how you run? And most people have no clue how to answer this question. <laughs> and everybody would start talking before this question like you, but you know how to run. Right. And uh, if the body knows, then go ahead and figure out, but it's never happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think part of the answer to that question is uh, in Chris McDougall's book, he points out that humans are born runners. We, we evolved as uh, persistence hunters. And all you have to do is take off your shoes and, and you'll, your body will tell you how to run because that's what we evolved to run. You don't teach a bird how to fly. Why teach a human how to run? Uh, it's a good comparison, you know, but um, let me um, uh, answer to your question in a different way. Um, again, um, it's a little bit uh, complex answer, but uh, I hope I will, <laughs> I will uh, challenge you as well. <laughs> so, why birds and animals are running good and um, everyone is like... Uh, sending us to that example, you know? Mm -hmm. Did you ask yourself ever about this? Yeah, you know, I, I think it might have to do with the footwear. I, I, I kind of agree with what no. McDougal said. <laughs> not, the, the, not at all. The Nike shoes have the big cushiony heel, and that, that disturbs our proper mechanics. Yeah, it's, uh, partially it's right, because he's referring to the civilization, and um, the... Uh, quintessence of civilization is developing our brain and more than that it's like our new cortex neocortex so-called you know it's a um, thinking kind of process developing thinking abilities you know in this case like neither birds or animals are thinking how to fly and how to uh, run. They have no knowledge of biomechanics, mechanics, uh, or any, all of these things, you know. But they operate and they learn from something very powerful and very precise, you know, uh, guidance which nature gives us. And this exactly part is was eliminated in the process of evolution from human beings. It's a listening and perceive nature's signals and guidance how to do things, what we call movement, you know. And shoes are part of that um, deviation or detour, better to say, you know. Mm -hmm. But at the present time, we cannot solve this problem just basically coming back to the barefoot running, you know. It's not panacea. If it would be true, then it will be something like that you I will do comparison with the swimming. You can undress, jump naked in the water, and you're Michael Phelps. But you understand this never happens this way, right? Mm -hmm. And our experience is showing people who jump into the barefoot trend, this is what I call it because it's exactly what's trend in like several years. Do you think they learn how to run? Not at all. I was witness of that thousand and thousand times through this marathon experience, watching uh, marathons around the world and watching this uh, with the naked eyes of these people. And uh, it doesn't look like they learn how to run, you know. With humans, we have to go back to nature, you know, and we have to learn how to operate with nature's guidance and use it. That's why Paul's method was developed, actually. Okay, so... It Tell me if I'm interpreting you right. And it sounds like um, 
humans are overthinking what they're doing and they they use their brain to try to figure out how to run properly or something like it's, that and that it's correct. our natural instinct is it's correct you are um, in the right direction thinking thank you um, the point is that uh, we don't need to think uh, when we do movement, you know, we have to perceive, but we uh, need to know what to perceive. This is what point. And this is what the um, necessity uh, return us back to the neocortex. And we have to think now what to perceive, you know, because we exactly that part we forgot and uh, left behind, you know, because we basically... Uh, de deteriorate our relationship with nature. That's why we need to go back and, like, it's a detour, uh, go around and now think of what we have to perceive. And this, uh, we need to conceptualize. This is what our brain will be helpful for us uh, mm -hmm. uh, to d develop. What the perception was to um, directed to it. It's uh, supposed to be our uh, relationship with gravity, you know, and uh, perceive. We couldn't perceive gravity because it's imperceivable. It's, uh, we perceive gravity only through the body weight, you know, and we have to learn operate with our body weight. And this is what we guide. We are with our, our brain. We guide ourselves into the perception area our feelings and our senses this is what how it works for humans in the, um, uh, this time frame okay so tell me a little about your your actual experience of working with athletes uh, is this something that will help them get faster and actually prevent those injuries you talked about 85 percent of runners getting injured every year what what's your experience been like um I work with very big range of people from kids, um, um, disabled kids like cerebral palsy kids, uh, elite athletes, um, professionals, uh, coaches. Uh, I'm joking with fat lawyers, you know, <laughs> uh, teaching all of this. And obviously elite level, um, I work with several national teams like USA national team in 90s uh, and then British team with in beginning of 2000 uh, and two Olympic games with British national team, Mexican national team. And uh, right now I'm uh, working with the Russian national team in triathlon. Okay. Uh, the problem is everywhere the same. It doesn't matter elite or not elite. It's all the same. You know, only elites are uh, more powerful engines. And uh, they have more pronounced um, um, perception because it's a gift of nature, you know. And in the process of developing in training, they are much closer to that perception, what I'm talking about, you know. But nevertheless, they are not free from the same mistakes what everyone does, you know. Mm. Elites are not free from injuries. And just one example, one lady from British team in 2001, I started work with that lady. She was a very prominent swimmer and cyclist, you know, but her running brought her to the 11th stress fractures, you know, and she was desperate in the, in the fear of running, you know. And her coach, my colleague and friend of mine, asked me how to do this, and we start work all year round. I was going with this lady, changing her technique, and next year, she improved in 10K, uh, three and a half minutes. So obviously, injuries were forgotten. And she became world champion in triathlon in Olympic distance. And then since that time, she basically never had the injury. And uh, two years ago, she won uh, Ironman Hawaii in um, elite group. This is what one example. And these kind of examples, I can continue. Wow. Uh, Right. What was her name? Alanda Cave. Okay. Wow, that's that's pretty incredible. So you mentioned a few things there. You mentioned that you work with kids and elite athletes. What about kids? Mm -hmm. And and, and uh, do they know how to run properly? 
mostly not. Uh, we did the research in the 70s. I just took um, my colleagues from track and field, the elite coaches, and asked them to be expert. And the question was like that. We are, we go, we are going through schools. Uh, it's about like 1,000 kids in per school. And our goal is to watch uh, physical education um, um, classes and see what kids are, uh, who, uh, how many of them um, look like uh, elite runners, you know? Mm-hmm. Just like that. It's uh, not quantity, uh, not, uh, it's a quality test, you know, just. Uh, uh, and uh, when we collected this data over 10 or 15 schools and we then saw numbers, it was um, outstanding. I mean, astonishing, basically. It's almost upsetting even, you know. Uh, from each school, it's like on the thousand. I would question your guess, you know, your intuition. How many kids we found who look like elite runners per thousand per school, you know? Um, that look like elite runners, probably a small number. But let's say that that have proper technique, maybe 75% have Decent technique, is that correct? Oh, <laughs> you are a very decent man. You, know? <laughs> you are a ge- generous man. Uh, I'll tell you number right now and you will be <laughs> surprised. We found on, on, on a thousand kids from school, you know? Okay. We, we found about... Um, um, about three to ten kids only. <laughs> three to ten kids only? Yeah. Okay. Well, are you familiar it's with a, the, the work that Lieberman did in Kenya where he looked at course. kids running? And didn't most yes, of them uh, run yes, on their uh, forefoot? Yes. Uh, but there are existing other research which showing that there are tribes who run on the hills as well, you know, okay. barefoot runners as well. So it's the same. The uh, Daniel Lieberman is uh, uh, I know him quite good we, I visited him in Harvard in lab. Okay. he is a professor of anthropology you know mm-hmm. very interesting man but um, he is looking for that things from the perspective of anthropology you know evolution it's a very good point you know but um, uh, there is a uh, not enough um, uh, biomechanics uh, should be involved there, you know. And the first and foremost question is, it's not about forefoot or heel, toe landing, you know, or midfoot, how people wrongly uh, call it. It's not about this, you know. Running, it's not about how we land. And uh, uh, Professor Lieberman's research was about how we land. And people obsessed with this kind of notion uh, with from the 60s. Uh, German coach and scientist Tony Nett did first uh, research on this matter in 1964, you know. And since that time, that kind of research goes on and goes on, and people are uh, obsessed with uh, how we land on the forefoot. But... As a matter of fact, it doesn't matter, you know. Oh, really? Because running, of course, it's but isn't running. Pose, doesn't pose technique uh, prescribe running on the it's, forefoot? Yes, but I have to to prescribe because it's just a part of this, you know. We land on the forefoot not because we want to land, you know. Hmm. And there is another reason for that. Because we need to be on the forefoot because... We have to fall from that point, you know, and we can only fall from the forefoot. But if you're in pose, you're on the forefoot. We don't teach and we don't need to teach being on the forefoot as a matter of fact. Only in the case if we need to reteach people from heel striking, then we have to start talking about this and teach that perception, you know, this is necessity. Okay. But... Uh, the essence of running, not in the foot landing, because everyone is doing the same thing. Elements, what I found, what I call it, um, commonality, which uh, exists for every single runner, no matter how they run. 
elite, non-elite, uh, nobody's running, everyone who is running. They are going through the three major elements of that movement, this motion. I call it pose, fall, pull, you know? Mm-hmm. You can find these elements at any in any runner, you know, at any speed. Only people don't realize that they are doing this. When people tell you, oh, I don't run pose, they are lying themselves and everyone else around. You know, everyone <laughs> goes through this. Okay. And I can prove it, it just showing a video about this thing. The point is that how we move, by which force we are moving, this is the most important question. And this is what quid essence of the pose method, you know, that mm-hmm. force, which, or what's called motive force, which moves us, it's not muscles, it's a, our body weight or gravity. You see, muscles are incredibly important to assist this. And uh, that part completely was missing in a historical point of view, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, it was an obsession with uh, muscular efforts, uh, how to push off uh, ourselves forward. And actually, science accumulated tremendous amount of uh, data which goes against that um, concept, push-off concept. Okay. And then uh, next thing was energy um, uh, thing, like energy mechanisms, you know, what is... Uh, but energy by itself doesn't make you run faster, you know. Energy mechanism is only allows you to extend uh, length of your running, but speed coming from only one source, from your ability to fall forward, you know? Okay. Well, this is what distinguishing point. <laughs> so I, I think what you're saying uh, is that if you get the, if you move properly, you're going to end up landing on your forefoot, but that's not the point at the outset. It's correct because um, uh, what people are doing, you know, it's called a protective mechanism, you know? They actually not concerned about falling. They are concerned about landing. You know, mm-hmm. it's just an incorrect mindset. The kids, for example, look at toddlers. If you have your own kid, this age, look at what they do. No one of them concerned about how to land. Right. Do you understand? Did you see any animals calling each other and asking which part of the foot are you landing on? You know. <laughs> Right. Because they don't have these parts, you know, because animals have only four foot, you know, this is what how nature created them. Mm-hmm. You, you, you see, with people, uh, because we design not only just walk, run we, for standing, this is apparatus, like it gives us a um, uh, wrong premise, like uh, in the uh thought process that we could run through the hill. Yes, we can run through the hill because at the end of the day you can go through the hills, but you if you're falling, you're running, you know? Okay. And you can run and you compensate that break what you do with your heel striking. Do you mm-hmm. understand? That's why yeah. to certain level of speed people could manage heel striking. It's a natural break what they put against themselves, but because they have compensation mechanisms, they could do this. But faster you run, your compensation level will be reduced more and more and more. That's why in sprinting, nobody can run on the hills. It's impossible, you know, because you're falling, demanding the they're incredible, you know. You will be late to fall. That's why nobody <laughs> will run on the, fo- on the hill. They're all on the far foot. It's up to middle distances faster you run, that requirement exists. You want or you don't want. And it's forcing elite runners to run properly, you know. Okay. That's why we have Usain Bolt, you know. Well, let's take let's take Usain Bolt or let's say Michael Johnson. They seem to have very upright positions in running. Are they falling forward as well? Everyone does this. Uh, Aaron, everyone does fall, you know. Only you have to see where it happened and how, you know. Actually, falling, it's a rotational movement of the body. And this rotation happened, uh, axis of this rotation is a point of support, means for a foot only, you see. 
not ankle, it's a four foot because it's a definition comes from the physics, not from me, you know? Mm. And then what is rotating your GCM, your body, you know, it's a hips basically, you know? And trunk is a, just a kind of balance, body weight is standing on it, you know? Okay. So people confuse falling with leaning, you know? Leaning is when you bend in your hips and, um, and your trunk is having this angle, but it's not necessary, you know? Absolutely not necessary. Okay. Um, now, you, you, you emphasize uh, the word falling. So how does that actually work? I mean, you're saying that you're not pushing off with, with like your big toe or anything. You're just lifting <laughs> up your foot to, to, to move to the next position. Uh, and, but when, let's say I'm standing and I, and I lift both feet and I start falling. Don't I have to then push off to get to the next spot if I want to move forward? Uh, why both feet? You know, if you or, or let's say I'm on one foot and I and I just lift that yes, up when right. I fall to the ground. Don't I need to push off to get to the next spot? You, you see, uh, push off. What you're mentioning, uh, it's uh, happened by other forces in running. You see, if, if you're standing on one place, it's a little bit artificial thing. You're mm -hmm. still falling there, you know, and you still. Because if you're not falling, no matter what you want, uh, you know, you cannot move forward, you know, you, you can only move up, you know. Okay, okay. So, you have to get off from your point of support, you know, your body have to start to rotate, you know. You can manage right now standing in your studio. So, it, as, so you fall and then the next step is you pull. And is that an it, active thing that you're doing or does that, will that just happen naturally? Um, it's a kind of interesting question because, uh, my answer would be uh, both, you know, because when you're falling, uh, your body um, developed in the gravitational field and it's a product of evolution, you know, when you're losing support, you have to find another support, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, your landing will be automatically managed, you know. And only problem there that you can make it worse or you're making better, you know. And the push off in this case is a um, process of losing one support and getting another one, you know. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's an intuitive level, you know, on a cellular level because it's gravitational field guidance and the teaching process. You have to listen to these things. No one if you will take off your shoes, <laughs> I mean, uh, feet from the ground, will be uh, concerned about how to land, you know? Mm. Jump, and when you're jumping up, are you really concerned how you land? <laughs> no. Because gravity, no. Gra oh, then, <laughs> right. then my answer is right there. Mm -hmm. What do you think? In running, is it different? The point only, only in running, how you land, because next thing it will be like that. Are you going to fall next time, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you would like to fall again when you land, you have to be in the perfect position for that falling again, you know? This is what we're coming to the pose. That's why we need the pose of running. Okay. How long because does it... Because only... Oh, I'm yes. sorry. I, I was, no, no, I'm wondering, how long does it take to develop this technique if you've never done it before? It's not developing, it's learning, you mean. <laughs> learning, you, you're yeah. asking uh, learning, right? Yeah. It's, um, it depends on how much you want this, how desperate. I can, if you want really, I can teach you in one uh, session, you know, these things. It's all about your belief, your openness, mind, you know, mm. your capacity to be a good student, you know. This is a requirement for everyone, if you are desperate for this, you believe in this, you want to change, it will happen instantly, you know. Okay. I taught people without any exercise. I'm telling them concept with kids, you know, mm -hmm. and telling them, uh, this is what how you run. This is what it looks like. This is a picture. This is the image. What you do, you pull your foot from the ground. You have to manage this uh, forming pose every single step, and you are running. And uh, what I'm getting, I'm giving in Geneva um, uh, a class for probably about 100 of kids, you know, 
from the private English school over there. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's the age of 12, uh, 13. Uh, they gave me some very uh, age, simple age. And I'm telling them these things. They're listening. And they start running outside. And one lady running in skirt, uh, uh, running nearby me and telling, Dr. Ramon, it's working, she's <laughs> telling me. <laughs> Great. Kids are free from prejudice. They don't have any uh, resistance to learn like that if uh, they didn't learn already something else, you know. Yeah. They are picking up this in incredibly quickly. Mm -hmm. With adults, it's our experience and that somebody already have been taught, you know, the problem is there, you know. Okay. You know, I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit, if you still have time, uh, about the chapter on training. Yes, I do. Okay, you, you wrote a few words on training. And one of the things I found really interesting is that you said that you can use your mood to kind of tell you how much, if you're overtraining or undertraining. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, it's, um, it's always goes this way, you know. It's particularly the psychological and um, um, psycho-emotional condition reflecting um, your energy system, and basically how much you depleted, you know, and um, how much you're deteriorating your ability to make good movement. And if you are upset and you are um, feeling that you're exhausted, you know, then uh, your training should take another route, you know, mm -hmm. and change the plan. If it, for example, um, should be training on technique and high-level intensity, it doesn't work this way, you know. Mm. You have to change this plan. So you have to go with a quiet and easy run, you know, to get rid of yourself from this mood. Basically, um, level the, your electrical activity, basically, because the mood is the electricity in the physical terms, you know, and, and you have to get rid of too much tension, you know, and make your training much easier. This is what um, uh, corrections you can make always. Okay, okay. You know, I looked at some of the training programs, and it has it, the training programs have people running about three days a week, and I noticed for the marathon, the longest run was only about 13 miles in length. Is that correct? Absolutely. My runners basically never run longer than half marathon because it's not necessary. I train even ultra marathoners who trail runners who run hundreds and hundreds of miles, you know. And uh, only when they do special workout, like trail runners, ultramarathoners, we do kind of trail time trials, you know, then they could run a little bit longer, you know. But usual routine training sessions do not last longer than this. It's related with our ability to recover. Hmm. This okay, so most uh, marathon programs I've seen usually have you running about 20 miles as your longest run. Um, what happens when you when you go to a starting line and you've only run thirteen? Do do the runners you coach still have confidence? Of course, this is you have to understand where it's a confidence coming. The most runners uh, and the coaches are recommending this kind of long runnings on of uh, twenty plus miles. You know, mm -hmm. uh, they they're concerned about confidence. You know. But confidence comes from uh, another thing, from my point of view. Confidence coming from the skill development, I means technique, you know. And, and another confidence coming from your speed. So if you are capable to run half marathon high level speed, then what kind of concern you have to have to marathon? Marathon is an extension of 10K. This is what... Uh, um, general um, understanding exists in the professional field, you know. And if you have 29 minutes 10K runner, you know, I don't have concern that he will run three hours, you know, in marathon. <laughs> okay. It's uh, no problem. And plus, if his technique, he can handle half marathon time in training, I have no problem to be sure that he will run like this uh, full marathon. Just recently, one of my 
corporate guy, you know, like after 50, uh, around the Auckland Marathon, with, again, PR, he trained with me seven years already. He's uh, 53 years old, and he runs 3.30 Marathon again with PR. Wow. And he doesn't run uh, any longer than <laughs> than a, a half marathon. Okay, that that's that's really interesting. Yeah, I think I'd like to try that out for my next marathon and see how that goes. How do you know how, what pace to start out at? If if you've only um, done thirteen miles, how much do you slow down for the marathon? Uh, it's basically difference. Um, it's about two. Two minutes um, from your double half marathon plus uh, two minutes, you know. This is what how it works. Plus, this is what your... Plus two the, minutes half, per mile or two minutes No, 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 two minutes. It's like you half marathon. Okay. You run, you mara, you, your marathon is a sum of the two half marathon plus um, two minutes to each uh, uh, half marathon. Okay. Okay. So four minutes plus, uh, you know, between two to four minutes plus, you know. So if you're half marathon two hours, it's a four hours marathon plus four, you know, minutes. So four hours, four. This is what your capacity. Okay. So I've run a... It's a simple st- statistics. You know? uh, I've run a 117 half marathon, but my marathon best is 255. What am I doing wrong there? Oof, you are missing incredibly. It's probably your technique is deteriorating incredibly, you know, because this is no answer uh, otherwise. Because uh, with that 117 uh, half marathon, uh, I'll tell you how much uh, you're supposed to run about 240, you know. Okay. Uh, 240 in in the marathon. So what do you, th- you so, uh, so it's basically my technique I could use the pose method Yes uh, of course because the energy energy wise people not uh, uh, so much deteriorate it's a common misunderstanding and, uh, and misleading and that our energy is falling apart um, not at all you know mm-hmm. if you are capable 117 half marathon uh, I am completely sure that and about number what I told you but another thing is I'm completely sure that your technique is a, the main reason with why you're deteriorating okay so are you talking about my technique is bad uh, during the first half or is it during the second half I start no, it's, to uh, fall you, apart usually it's okay. correct usually it's this is what's happening um, I could guide you with that uh, as a mic courtesy <laughs> okay if you don't mind for next marathon just give me a time where we can get this experience you know and experiment um, uh, it, it's lovely I, I love challenge you know so if you challenge me with that I'll <laughs> make you happy <laughs> okay maybe we'll uh, write about it on my blog it's correct but you have to really if you're going with that you know no hesitation you have to be my student and uh, it's it's a um, a condition which I will take only, sure. and you do p- perform exactly what I will be describing you. You know, not any other things. You know. Okay, and I also noticed you only had uh, three days a week of running. Is that what you do for elite athletes as well? Uh, not a, not like that. Okay. You know, it's it's in my book is exist um, chapter it's called uh, small monkey big monkey uh, big monkey small monkey mm-hmm. and uh, this is uh, about very incredible science research which is done in russia during 50 years you know from end of 20th last century to mid 70s you know it's a group of scientists in bio- biological scientists did the research with animals and part of this was done in the monkey zoo. That's why I call it big monkey, small monkey things, you know. But it's not related with the size of monkeys, you know. But with their spontaneous energy uh, activity. And uh, with a high level activity, uh, monkeys I call big monkeys, you know. Mm-hmm. And with low level activities, I call small monkeys. This is what name came from, you know. It's in seventies. I was visiting one this zoo, I, uh, monkey zoo in Suhumi, in the uh, uh, Black Sea, uh, uh, where I found this interesting uh, thing. I didn't realize by that time that 
that it exists. But I saw only in the zoo um, very interesting cages, uh, you know, for monkeys. And uh, there are people look like scientists with um, white robes, you know. And I didn't pay attention. Uh, they left, and when I kind of came back home, I got um, uh, biological science. Uh, magazine of uh, Soviet Union uh, Academy uh, of Science uh, uh, magazine came to me, and I'm opening there, and I found the two articles, <laughs> exactly one of them, about this monkey zoo, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and my uh, my eyes open, and um, it's a energy, spontaneous energy activity research was done, this, and I found incredible things, that people, animals, everyone are so different with that spontaneous energy activity. So one produce, um, uh, let's say, weekly thousand movements. It's number that doesn't matter. It's just to illustrate, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a small monkeys. And the other has produced uh, 10,000 movements. Uh, it's a big monkeys, you know. Mm-hmm. And in, another thing uh, came up that that number, weekly number or daily number, if you divide it by days, monthly and it doesn't change during lifetime it's a consistent it's consistent completely it's a genetically predisposed factor and you cannot change this and then i found this in many different training logs of um, uh, long distance runners uh, middle distance runners high jumpers and my dissertation partially was about this as well my phd Mm. Uh, and among uh, these small monkeys who train like three times a week only, I found uh, world record holders in high jumping, you know. <laughs> okay. And same time, uh, average uh, monkeys, let's say, were in uh, um, among 5K, 10K, uh, world-class level runners as well, you know. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, if to demonstrate these things with like big monkeys, it would be Dean Carnese. You, you know this um, <laughs> ultra marathoner. Yeah, he, he's a huge monkey. You know, in <laughs> energy span, uh, spontaneous energy activity. But it doesn't relate it with how fast you run. You know, right? You you could be very high level monkey. You know, in this case, and your ability to run fast doesn't appear. You know, I mean marathon and much less. Uh, energy activity, but you could be able to run a world record level, you know. This is interesting thing. So, uh, when I'm prescribing my programs, uh, I am um, considering this factor as a major one, one of the major ones, you know, which monkey you are. And so, training would be three times a week, five times a week, seven times a week, and for big monkeys, it's a six, seven times a week, twice a day, you know. Okay, so if you're a little monkey and you try to do what the big monkeys are doing, are you just going to end up hurt? Yeah. Or what's going to happen? You're going to you get will, worn you, out? Or? You will be dead, you know. <laughs> okay. How do you this know? is what happened to me. How do you know? How do you know I if you're a big monkey or a this. small monkey? Oh, it's just the experience. Okay. Two, three months. You, you're taking consideration that um, you're giving to uh, that person, average monkeys, because I have experience, you know, I have data, you know, okay. and for, for example, this volume is an average monkeys volume, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm giving to this person one month, average monkeys uh, data. And uh, after that month, uh, next month, if it's small monkey, this uh, guy will be screaming, Oh my goodness, it's too much for me. <laughs> it's I'm tired all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. A small monkey will be uh, incredibly uh, un- unhappy with that. A big monkey would come to you and tell him, Coach, um, this is doesn't work for me. It's too small. Can we do a little bit more? <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. And average would tell, It works for me great. That's it. We will continue this. Okay. <laughs> this is how it's simple. Gotcha. So how about nutrition? I know you've done a little bit of work with Tim Noakes, and he's on board with the high-fat diet now. What's your, what are your thoughts about nutrition? <laughs> yeah. I was uh, in 2002 when we done with him uh, research on the running technique. 
in Cape Town. I was arguing with him about carbo diet. Oh, really? <laughs> at that time, he, yes, he was a proponent of this uh, at that time, and his books about carbo loading. I, I was, I was telling him, Tim, it's bullshit, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, it, but he didn't listen to me because I was, um, from his point of view, biomechanist. You know, mm-hmm. he told me. Nicholas, I am physiologist. You are biomechanics. You will teach me how to run. You know? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, and then several years later, he's coming with this revelation of um, uh, that um, carbo is a bad thing for you. I I was telling him long time ago about <laughs> these things. You know? So, <laughs> but, what do you what do you have your your like say that some of the faster runners doing say during a marathon are are they taking glucose drinks or and what is their daily yes, diet uh, like what what would you recommend? You see, glucose it's a it's a drug, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. You can uh, be accustomed like smoking, you know. People couldn't live without smoking, for example, you know. Mm-hmm. So some people couldn't live without alcohol, you know, and we we could call it bad habits, you know. Um, living on uh, glucose or sweet, you know, mm-hmm. or on candies, it's the same bad habit, you know, <laughs> because body doesn't design uh, on this matter. We need glucose to feed our brain because brain is uh, f- uh, first and uh, foremost. Um, consumer of glucose, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but the rest of the body uh, works on uh, this fat mechanism, you know, long process, quiet life, you know, <laughs> these things. Glucose, it's a kind of quick uh, energy replacement uh, and uh, only brain needs this very much, you know, and consume it. Uh, rest comes from another source of energy. We have to understand these proportions and we have to teach our body to keep these proportions uh, constantly, no matter of exercise what you're doing. You know, this is what my point of view, you know, I'm not denying any necessity to have glucose, the carbos, you know, because body needs this. Mm-hmm. But which part of the body and how much, it's a different question, you know. You can feed all movement on the carbos, but it, it will be bad habit, you know? It's a drug. Okay. So, so I think what you're saying is we need, you could take a small amount in during a marathon, but on a daily basis, it's fine to consume, no. uh, you know, butter, coconut oil, things like that? Of course, of course. And not only a little bit, but it should be main food in your, uh, in protein as well, you know? Okay. And, but uh, it's um, one of the most uh, mystery thing in um, a sport. It's uh, food and drinks, you know, mm-hmm. how to eat and how much and what to eat. It's unsolved un- until now. It's um, that revelation of uh, Tim Noakes right now about um, fat loading. <laughs> Let's say like that. It's a not last um, end over what we are going through. It will be another thing. Uh, I'm still thinking how it's supposed to be done, and I'm not in a rush make any conclusion on this matter, you know? Okay. So what would you advise someone training for a half marathon or marathon to eat on a daily basis? I mean... Normal like- food. Okay. You know? Normal food. And... Uh, uh, most people are lacking, the runners particularly, they are lacking proteins, you know, in, tremendously. But protein is a major substance uh, of for living. Um, <clears throat> only where you get this protein, it's a different thing, you know. You can get this from different products, you know. And that the individual part starts, you know. Some people uh, get protein... Uh, from meat, some better can um, consume uh, fish, you know, and and so on. You see, this is what we have to understand. Okay. That uh, this is an individual preference of what kind of food we're eating, you know. When you figure out how you replace... uh, uh, replenish um, different products, uh, which food is more suitable for you to replenish this 
level of carbs, uh, proteins, and fat, then you will find the proper proportion for yourself. You know, it's a work in process. Okay. Do you advise your athletes to carbo load the night before a big race? No. First of all, you you cannot consume so much carbos in your body, it will go to the fat immediately. It's a simple chemical uh, process, you know. When your body uh, fill it up full with carbos, you know, everything what goes beyond of this, or, uh, more than you need, body transfer into fat only, but not the fat what we're using in the race. It's a, it's a storage fat which goes on your hips and your thighs. Dr. Mm -hmm. Romanov, the last question I like to ask my guests before they leave is if you had three months to train just to focus on your running and you didn't have to pay your bills, how fast do you think you could run one mile? It depends on your initial level, you know. And from that initial level, with three months of development is, allows you to improvement of uh, 10-15%. This is what in full dedication of training process. Uh, this is what my answer would be. But uh, the answer should be much more complex than this simple one, you know. It's, it depends on your mindset. It's, it depends on y your <coughs> uh, training uh, process. It depends on your perception and so on, but it's probably too complex. How, how about I, you personally? How fast do you think you could run? Uh, I did my best when I was 43. I, I ran um, 535, you know? Okay. So so I, I guess uh, I've, it's not possible right now to run like that, but uh, I can improve uh, my time. Uh, this 10-15% from initial level, uh, it's a guarantee, you know. I, I think uh, I can run right now 7-minute mile okay. and, uh, and below. This is what I think I can be capable. <laughs> great. All right. Well, Dr. Romanov, it was great talking with you today. Thanks so much for being on the show. Where can people go to find out more about you and your work? Uh, thank you very much for inviting me, uh, Aaron. Uh, are you taking my challenge about marathon? <laughs> yes, I would. I would love to take that challenge. Um, you know, I could do a marathon this spring. I, I live here in Minnesota, so we've I got know. we've got snow for most of the winter. But uh, uh, I need the, the two three months. Okay, I'll get a, I'll get a hold of you. Uh, I think I could. I think there's a marathon in May, so okay. we could definitely do that. And then come back to me and thank you for inviting me to such an interesting. Um, uh, conversation. It's lovely. You are a very smart man and your answers were in, in the money. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another Paleo Runner podcast. If you like podcasts, you're also going to like audible.com. Audible has over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Kindle, Android, or MP3 player. You can even burn a CD of the audiobook if you like. It's a great way to learn while you're driving in the car or cleaning up around the house. One of the great things about Audible is that if you decide that you don't like the book you've downloaded, you can actually exchange it for another one. They want you to be happy with your order. If you'd like to get a free audiobook download, sign up at audibletrial.com slash paleorunner. You'll get a free audiobook download that you can keep regardless of whether you continue with the service or not. So go to audibletrial.com slash paleorunner. Thanks for listening.